The Vape Passion Show, episode 43. Hey, welcome back to The Vape Passion Show. This is episode 43, and I'm recording this on Sunday, November 20th. This week, we're going to talk about vaping etiquette for the holidays, new MasterCard policies targeting the vape industry, tobacco causes gene mutations, but vapor doesn't, using DIY flavor concentrates to flavor beverages and to stay hydrated, and why you should vape menthol, mint, and eucalyptus when you're sick. All right, so if you're planning on buying any vape products anytime soon and you want to support this show, consider going to vapepassion.com vendors uh, and buy from one of those links. I have 52 vendors listed currently, so go check it out and see if your favorite vendor is listed. I'll get a small commission, but it doesn't cost you anything extra. I also plan to put up a post on my site with a bunch of Black Friday deals, so that should be it by the time you listen to this. Uh, Check it out and plan to pick up some stuff for a really good price. I've said this a bunch of times before, and I'll say it again. Black Friday and Cyber Monday is probably the best time of year to get vape stuff. All right, so this week I have a beer from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. This one is called Beer Camp. It's a tropical IPA, which has a really interesting mix of mango, papaya, and bitter orange. I've never had this before, so I have no idea if I'll like it, but it sounds pretty good. Uh, According to the Pairwise app on my iPhone, this one pairs well with dessert flavors like macaroons, lemon meringue, caramel, gumdrops, and candy corn. Uh, The closest thing I have to any of those is The Legend. This is from Vintage E-Liquids. It's a classic tobacco blend with caramel and vanilla. I don't really get any tobacco from it. It just tastes like caramel and vanilla to me, but I really love this e-juice. It's it's so good. So first let me try this beer. I've been really excited to try it. Mmm, that's good. It smells really good too. Yeah, I'd say that those flavors go pretty well together. Very good. Okay, so let's get into the first topic of the show, vaping etiquette for the holidays. So it's pretty common for families to get together for dinner on Thanksgiving. Uh, whether the dinner is at your house or someone else's, you should keep etiquette in mind. Um, so my first tip would be to treat vaping like smoking. The majority of people in the world, and particularly in the U.S., still believe that vaping is as bad as smoking. If you fire up that mod and start blowing vapor into a room of people, you're going to make people mad and uncomfortable. Uh, I recommend going outside, like you would as a smoker, um, which sucks. You know, it sucks to be treated like a smoker, especially when it's cold outside. But I think it's better to suffer through it for one day than to give everyone a bad impression of people who vape. All right, number two, educate your family about vaping. So now that you have your whole family together, this is your chance to educate them about vaping. It's a it's a great topic to bring up around the dinner table. Um, tell them about the research that has been done. You can mention the Public Health England study that says that not only is vaping 95% less harmful than smoking, but also that there's no evidence suggesting that vaping leads to smoking. I'll have a link to that in my show notes too if you want to go read that. Um, Number three, ask for permission. So you definitely don't want to vape at the dinner table. I think this goes without saying, but I don't know, maybe not, because I've actually seen people vaping indoors in public places where it's obviously not allowed. So it's not as common sense to some people, I guess. I think this happens because a lot of vapors feel that there's nothing wrong with vaping. And in my own opinion, I believe that to be true too. But we have to be considerate of the people who don't believe the same. If you want to vape inside the house, ask for permission. Uh, Even if it's just the garage, ask for permission. Okay, number four, think of the kids. Everyone has a different opinion on this one. Uh, Some people feel that vaping in front of kids is wrong because it it might send a bad message to them. I'm of the opinion that it might send a bad message and that's why I choose to never vape when uh, kids are around. Uh, Kids might not understand the difference between vaping and smoking, even if you tell them. 
but that depends on how old they are, of course. But I think it's better just to not vape around them. All right, number five, don't put anyone on the spot. So if you are thinking about asking for permission to vape indoors, consider that you might be putting your host on the spot. They might tell you that it's okay because they want to make you feel comfortable or they don't want to offend you but they might actually not want you to vape inside their home. And even if they don't mind, you have to consider the other guests too. If you put anyone on the spot, they might not feel comfortable telling you no. Okay, so there are my five vaping etiquette tips for the holidays. I think that in most cases, your best bet is to treat vaping the same as you would smoking. It's better to play it safe than to give your family a bad idea of vaping. And one other tip, take some holiday e-juices with you. Every time I go to a get-together with friends or family, there's always at least one person inter interested in trying some of the flavors that I have with me, even if they aren't a smoker or a vapor. Some good flavors for the holidays right now would probably be something like peppermint, cocoa, pumpkin pie, apple pie, sugar cookies, uh, hazelnut coffee. So yeah, there's uh, plenty of flavors you can pick up and take with you and, and share with the family and friends. All right, now I wanna talk about uh, these new MasterCard policies that are targeting the vape industry. So this one was sent to me by one of my subscribers. So I wanna thank Eugene for the email. Um, so anyway, MasterCard has been sending emails to vapor product vendors announcing new requirements that need to be met in order to offer MasterCard as a payment option. Uh, the email specifically mentions sellers of electronic nicotine delivery systems, such as e-cigarettes and vape pens. Uh, they say that the new revisions to their compliance program was made in light of the FDA's recent extension of authority deeming va vaping products as tobacco products. So these new requirements include physical age verification, both in-store and online. Merchants must meet all of the FDA's requirements for tobacco products, including labeling, advertising, promotion, and manufacturing, meeting all state and federal law requirements. And for online vendors, they require a registration fee of $500 per year, effective January 15th. 2017, health warnings on the site mentioning the harms of nicotine use, adult signature upon delivery of products, and billing terms clearly disclosed on their websites. Uh, for all vendors, online or in-store, they will need to submit a letter written by an independent and qualified attorney or an accreditation service confirming that the merchant's business practices have been reviewed and that they fully comply with all applicable laws. They also need to maintain a total chargeback ratio below MasterCard's excessive chargeback program thresholds, which is 1.5%, I believe. So if you're a business and you get 150 chargebacks in June divided by 10,000 sales the following month, you will not meet MasterCard's requirements to use their service. So that covers everything in the email, but there are other ramifications of these new requirements. So the first one being the requirement of an adult signature on delivery. If you're not home to sign for your order, you'll need to pick it up from the shipping company. Uh, so that's pretty annoying. The signature requirement also means you'll need to be at least 21 to order, even if the age of 18 is legal to use tobacco in your state. And this is because UPS and USPS set their own requirements for an adult signature and that is 21 and up. Another issue is that the signature on delivery service requires additional service fees with UPS and USPS. So UPS charges merchants $2.50 per delivery and USPS charges $6.50 per delivery. So vendors using MasterCard will need to raise prices for their customers. And regarding that third-party accreditation service thing, that will cost an additional $500 to $1,000. Uh, it's a one-time cost, but it's still tough for many small vendors. And something that eLiquidDepot.com mentioned on their website was that because of the way payment processing software works, the software is not able to modify prices based on the card a customer uses. This means that all transactions, even if you use a Visa, Visa or American Express, will need to follow these new procedures. So there doesn't seem to be a way around this, and it's pretty likely that other credit card services will implement similar practices. Um, there's currently a change.org petition to overturn this new policy, 
I don't know if it will make a difference, but it couldn't hurt to sign it. I've included a link to that in the show notes. All right, let's talk new products. Um, so I was watching a recent review from Vape and Fagan on the new Joytech Elitar, which is a 75 watt vape pipe. It, it looks like a pretty cool device. Uh, it has a really modern look to it. And I've been wanting to get a vape pipe for a while now, but I really want something that looks like a traditional pipe. I've always really loved pipes. Uh, the, my grandpa, he used to smoke pipe tobacco when I was young and I loved the smell of it. He had a, a really nice collection of pipes too and, and I've always been interested in him but I've, I've never smoked from one. But anyway, what really caught my eye in Fagan's review was a comment from someone recommending the E-Pipe 629. So I looked it up and this E-Pipe reminded me exactly of the classic pipes that my grandpa used to smoke. This device is just gorgeous. It's a solid wood mahogany pipe with a refillable tank called a Liquimizer 629. The tank holds 3.5 mils and uses 1.5 ohm coils. Uh, it also has a, a really nice curved mouthpiece. The only thing I don't like about the way it looks is that it has a raised zirconia LED cap on the top of the bowl. I would have preferred it to be flat or even indented, but it's a it's a great looking device. And although I, I'll probably never own one because they cost $180, uh, well, $179.95, but it's uh, pretty expensive and out of my budget. But for any of you collectors out there, definitely go check that one out. All right, let's talk science and research. So this next topic is about how tobacco causes gene mutations, but vapor doesn't. So you might've seen in the news recently, a new study showing that cigarette smoke causes DNA mutations in lung cells. These cancer related mutations occur to each lung cell for every 50 cigarettes smoked. So for a pack a day smoker, that's about 12 mutations per month or 150 per year. That's a lot. Uh, every mutation can cause serious genetic damage that can result in cancer. Researchers are saying that there's still no way to tell if a gene mutation will result in cancer, but that smoking is like playing Russian roulette because the more you smoke, the higher risk of mutations that will hit the right genes in your body to cause cancer. These mutations are permanent and do not reverse after quitting smoking, but quitting smoking prevents mutating more genes that might result in cancer. So this begs the question, does vaping result in gene mutations? So British American Tobacco, or BAT, performed a study using the Ames test, which detects if a chemical or drug causes mutation in a bacteria's DNA. Uh, the test was performed on five strains of bacteria, two of which, called TA-98 and TA-100, uh, they're considered effective at screening 90 to 95% of mutagens. So TA-98 and TA-100 are commonly used in tobacco smoke tests, but have never been used to test vapor. The researchers tested both tobacco smoke and e-cigarette vapor from the Vipe e-pin to compare the differences between the two. They trapped particulate matter from both products on a filter pad, reduced it down to a solution, and exposed the test bacteria to different concentrations of that particulate matter solution. They also tested fresh smoke and fresh vapor on the bacteria. So like expected, the smoke caused mutations in the bacteria. The larger the dose, the more mutations that occurred. It only took 24 minutes to cause mutations with the cigarette solution. Uh, the results from vapor, on the other hand, didn't cause the bacteria to mutate at all, even after continuous exposure for more than three hours. This is a study performed by British American Tobacco, so it's not going to be taken as seriously as an independent third-party study would, but it looks very promising. All right, my next tip is about using DIY flavor concentrates to flavor beverages and to help you stay more hydrated. So 
As someone who vapes, you know that vaping causes a bit of dehydration, especially if you vape heavily. That means drinking water is pretty important. You always hear people talking about drinking a gallon of water per day. Uh, I used to drink a gallon of water per day, and it's just really hard to stick with. Uh, you have to drink water constantly, and you'll have to go pee every 10 minutes, or at least I did. Uh, it really sucks. But you don't need to drink a gallon of water per day to stay well hydrated. Uh, health experts usually recommend eight glasses of water per day. Uh, but even that can be challenging for some people, especially if you drink a lot of soda or other sugary drinks throughout the day. But a lot of vapors have found that adding Mio drops to water or any type of uh, water flavoring drops is an easy way to get more water into their systems because it makes water taste much better. So that's a good tip on its own. But another really cool tip is that you can also add flavor concentrate drops to your water. So if you make DIY e-juice, you probably have a whole drawer full of flavorings that you can use to flavor your water. And if you look at your bottle of concentrate, uh, you'll, you might even see right on the label that it says that you can use it to flavor beverages because a lot of labels actually do say that. Uh, you just need to make sure that the flavoring is water soluble, which is all you should be using to make DIY e-juice anyway. You definitely don't want to make e-juice with oil-based concentrates. You can add these concentrates to water, club soda, uh, coffee, tea, or any other beverage. Uh, the recommendations I've seen online say to add one drop per ounce of water but you can add more or less to your preferences. And what's really cool about this is that you can flavor your water with any flavor that you can think of rather than just uh, what you get with like the commercial brands like Mio. Uh, if you want your water to taste like New York cheesecake, vanilla bean ice cream, cinnamon roll, or anything else, you can. And I've also heard that adding a drop of concentrate to a shot glass of water is a good way to get an idea of what a flavor tastes like too. Uh, that's a really great way of testing concentrates for any of you DIYers out there. Okay, and one last tip, if you get sick, vape menthol mint and eucalyptus so it's that time of year where everyone catches colds uh so and i came across this thread on reddit with someone recommending that if you get sick vape a mixture of menthol mint and eucalyptus e-juice which will have a soothing effect on the lungs at least according to them so this is the first time i've heard anyone recommending eucalyptus but i have heard of vaping mint and menthol i've even done it myself and i also felt like it worked but it could have been all in my head but a lot of people do agree that menthol is good when you're sick and I've talked about the benefits of vaping menthol before, and one thing to keep in mind is that real menthol has medicinal properties, uh, which is why if you buy menthol e-juice for the purpose of using when you're sick, make sure that it's made with real menthol, because not all menthol e-juices actually use real menthol. If you want to be certain that you're vaping real menthol, you can pick up some menthol crystals online and drop some into your e-juice of choice. It'll dissolve in the solution with a little bit of time. Uh, people say a good starting point for menthol crystals is 1%, but I don't have any experience with it myself, so I can't say for certain. Some people also say that if you see improvements from vaping menthol e-juice when you're sick, it's a placebo effect, and that could be true, but I think it's important to point out that the placebo effect can be helpful. Uh, the substance that you're using might not actually be doing anything, but the mere idea of you thinking that it is doing something can cause your body's chemistry to actually create those effects. So it actually does kind of work, just not in the way you think it is. Okay, so that's all I have for this week. You'll find the show notes for this episode on vapepassion.com. Just do a search for episode 43. If you want to support the show, consider donating to my Patreon page at patreon.com vapepassion. Or if you want to buy a product from uh, whatever vendor, uh, if you're looking for something, uh, go check out my vendors page, uh, vapepassion.com slash vendors, and see if your vendor is listed. And, you know, I'd appreciate if you bought from one of my links. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps me out. You can also follow me on Twitter at vapepassion. I'm also on Facebook. If you like the show, I'd love it if you gave me a review on iTunes. You can also catch the video version of this podcast on YouTube. I'd love to have you as a subscriber on my channel if you aren't already. And if you'd like to get notifications of new reviews or of the show, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter at vapepassion.com. All right, I'll see you next week. And if you're in the U.S., I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving.